Well, today in A Voice in the Distance Ministries, we're going to be venturing through Exodus chapter 16. And I was reading something a while back in regards to the thought process of, of children or, or teenagers. And a lot of people, even in adulthood, when we look at certain things, people want to know the future. They want to foresee like certain things of the future. They want to know what kind of career they're going to have or who they're going to marry or something like that. What's going to be in their, in their livelihood and what's going to be in their normal everyday lives. And, and again, that, that uh, kind of thinking doesn't always stop when we enter adulthood either. Um, but again, you know, when we look at the stories of what God was doing here in the Exodus, we've seen that, that I don't think anybody ever envisioned what was going to be happening here. And that whoever thought that they would be venturing through a vast desert for the amount of years that they, were, that they would be going from after so many years of being enslaved in the Egyptian kingdom. And so we looked at, even though there's differences of today, the Israelites in today's story were no different from us today or yesterday because they were faced with uncertainty. You know, they were wondering of their future, I'm sure, their immediate need for food and water. They suffered from grumbling and so on and so forth, just like any of us do when we're without. But we're going to see how God worked with them and we're going to see what God did for them. God heard them, he responded, and, and he promised that he would provide for them. And those of us who, who would attend Sunday school know this story pretty well. And, and so I'm not going to spoil it for you just yet, but it's a very well-known story. And so our past is, when we look at our past, our, our past really is nothing more than the story of how we got to where we are now. And dwelling on it causes us to become either stagnant or unsatisfied. We can't find God worrying about or dreaming about the future because it just makes us want to control whatever lies ahead, which we have very little to no control over. And yes, we, we have concerns. We have those hopes and dreams for the future. But when we look at this story, it tells us that, that we can live out our relationship with God only in the here and now. And God longs for us to trust Him at every hour, every minute. It doesn't matter what we've been through. I had an interesting conversation uh, with some friends about you know the, uh, the the times of yesteryear, our past, our childhood, and the, and the things that um, you know that caused us to 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 be the way we are in some cases. But, you know, there's many out there, there's many out there that have been able to break that chain because of the power of what God has done in their lives. And it's a process. It's a process of growth. It's a process of relationship with Him. A process of healing, which only He can do. Through His power, can only, only can He do that for you. And so, the Egyptians, they had a lot of bad memories. Not the Egyptians, I'm sorry. The Israelites had a lot of bad memories in Egypt. But, you know, God, God shows who He is and, and, and shows us who we are. We are the dependents, you know. We are the, one, we are the ones who depend on Him. And He's the provider. Right? We have, there's a, a Hebrew term called Jehovah Jireh, which means God provides. I remember hearing a worship song in regards to that to that uh, to that word uh, before, and it was uh, it was again it was all in in the aspect of what God does. 
in what he continues to do. So let's venture. Let's take a look here at chapter 16 to, to see this very interesting story on how God provided for his children in the desert. In chapter 16, verse 1 through 8, it says, And they journeyed from Elim, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai. And on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt, and then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died uh, by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven to you, for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be twice as much as they gather daily. And then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, At evening you shall know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also Moses said, this, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening. And in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are, are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. So they entered the wilderness of sin. <laughs> now, people are probably wondering if the word for our sin came from this place here. And the answer is no, by pronunciation of this place. Because I, I believe the proper pronunciation would be zin, like with a z. But, but the place definitely has a comparison of what it's like in sin. The place that was described here was a vast and hostile desert. A perfect area for someone to be tested. But, but we know from the sin that we, we know in our acts leads to the places just like this. Our sin leads to a vast hostile desert. Well, what starts to happen in this place is the complaints in the region of sin. <laughs> Their resources are running out. And Moses, this is all your fault. We should have never left. Yes, we were beaten relentlessly. Yes, we were worked beyond what would be illegal in many countries' labor laws. Even though with unfair wages, but we had food, right? And God said that I shall test them if they will walk in my law or not. And it's interesting when people get hungry, they'll start to lash out on you. Yeah, typical, I suppose, but leave it to God to fix the solution. I'm going to rain manna from heaven. The original angel food from ancient days. <laughs> and I've, I've, had some, uh, I've had some really good man-made bread from places. But I am sure that this had to be the best manna anyone ever had if it came from heaven, right? The, the test was interesting because they would have to gather as much as possible on the sixth day uh, to be able to rest on the seventh on the seventh day. And it would, be, uh, it would be a Sabbath day for the people created by God himself. So Moses and Aaron were the messengers. Okay, they were the messengers, not the providers. You know, steps toward obedience is what God wants and, and sends the tests. And the provisions, okay, the provisions of bread in the morning, meat in the evening. 
It's funny to read this. I've learned in life through the years that we are all children in his eyes no matter how old we are. You know, can you remember your children giving you a hard time when they didn't get what they wanted? They would throw a fit. They would murmur and yell. But yet, you know, we as parents still love and provide for them. And now we see how we were created in God's image. Except he is in perfection in every way. You know, you you shall see the glory of the Lord and they seen that in the Red Sea. They seen it during the plagues in Egypt. But God says that you haven't seen anything yet. See, I I love reacting, uh, I I love uh, retracting the oldest books of the Bible because the standard still remains the same. Right? God says, follow my lead, you'll be fine. In one of my favorite Psalms in the book of Psalms is chapter 37, verse 25, where King David himself said that I have been uh, young and now I'm old. And yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging for bread. So a little insight on the ways and heart of our God long after this event. And yet today it still stands. It still stands the same, right? Do as I say, says the Lord, and you'll be fine. The glory of the Lord is seen in so many ways. But, But can you see it in his mercy? And can you see it in his graceful understanding? Can you see it in how he loves his children? We're seeing that he is the best father anyone could have. So let's take a look here at what happens next as, uh, uh, as Moses gathers the people in verse 9 through 17. And then Moses spoke to Aaron, <clears throat> Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall have meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was the quails came up at evening and covered the camp. And in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew filled, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need. One omer for each person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more and some less. Now, when I see this, I'm reminded of the Lord's prayer. You know, right? In in the Gospels, the, 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 the Lord's Prayer, as we call it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then he says, um, he said it in the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And that was from the model prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ. God did this for uh, for the people daily, and it was referred to as manna. Now, we think that it means, uh, that manna means bread, and in a form it is bread, but the Hebrew word for manna translates, what is this? (laughs) So that's what we've seen, what is this? And so the word manna means, what is it? And they couldn't make out exactly what it is in why it is called manna, because they've never seen anything like it. 
earlier I called it angel food and, and, and looking at the description of what God sent, it would almost look like that uh, it almost looked like that a little bit. If you've ever had angel food cake before. Unexpected ways of providing manna and then quail, okay? If, if they knew what we knew now, they may have had some pretty good sandwiches back in that day, but they, they may do with what was given to them. And I also have also noticed in certain denominations, uh, when they partake communion, uh, they would use these small little uh, round wafers that would be given to them, perhaps making in comparison to this. It, it kind of brought back some memories when uh, I visited other churches in my youth. But to talk about why and how God did what he did with the dew on the ground was actually, uh, that was talked about in the book of Numbers in chapter 11. The manna would, of course, fall on the desert ground. And the dew was used to keep it from becoming dirty or defiled, if you will, right? Keep in mind the amount of people on the wilderness journey. The amount that would come down, a couple million people, and, and never once did we ever hear of someone going without. We, we look at the Lord, you know, Jesus fed 5,000 or more than 5,000 with two loaves of bread and fi- or five, fi- or, I'm sorry, five loaves of bread and, and uh, or two loaves of bread, five fish. And so it, it would have been, um, or it was the other way around, five loaves of bread and two fish. And it would have been something to witness on both ends of the manna and the bread from the Lord Jesus. All were filled and still had leftovers that it said in the gospel with that many people, 5,000 or more. With, with that small amount of food, there was, there was leftover, and yet everybody was filled. But here they were required to gather the amount per their families, it said. An omer is what it was called. An omer per each person. And that was typically about a gallon in the historical measurements in Israel. Uh, maybe a little less, but sufficient for all that were there. It said, let every man gather it according to each one's need. And, and what was seeing is the beginning of God's laws. As he commanded those who had uh, he commanded those who had wheat fields in the day that that after the gleaning of the harvest that the poor who did not have anything could come and gather what was left and, and okay and later on when when they actually would lo- own land in Israel um, some of them had wheat fields where God made this a, a law to where whatever was left after the gleaning that that was to be left for the poor so that way no one was without. They had to gather it themselves. There was, there was no wealthy households to hire someone at this time. Everyone was required to pull their own weight. They were required to work together. And I think God was teaching them a valuable lesson here. Because God always provides, but we also must do the work. People would say, you know, God helps those who help themselves. <laughs> you know, nowhere in scripture does it ever say that. What God did was what any good host would do when providing a banquet. You ever hear somebody say when they come into the house, help yourself to anything here? In one of the other ones, just to clarify false sayings that I've heard, I couldn't help but to bring it up, but I've heard this one before, that God hates a liar more than he does a thief. And it's funny, you know, talk about labeling God for the issues that people have within themselves. But if that were the case, God would hate just about anyone who ever lived because we see here that God has a different outlook. Even to those with complaints like the Israelites. Let's continue to take a look at what happens here in verse 18 to 25. So when they measured it by Omer's, 
He who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, Let no one leave any of it until morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses, but some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need, and when the sun became hot, it melted. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one, and all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. And then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today, and boil what you will boil, and lay up for for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. And so they laid it up till morning, as Moses commanded. And it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Then Moses said, Eat that day, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord, and today you will not find it in the field." It's interesting, you know, seeing the uh, the very first of important things being done in the book of Exodus. Uh, the last chapter we had witnessed was the very first worship song in the Bible. Uh, it was the very first worship song ever recorded, right, with lyrics. As Miriam, the sister of Moses, took a timbrel instrument and led the women in the song of what God did for them in the Red Sea crossing. And we see now the first mention of the Sabbath. It'll be reminded to them a little later when Moses delivers the Ten Commandments. But this was the first institution of Sabbath, or Shabbat, if you want to pronounce it in Hebrew. We see the dangers. We see the dangers of disregarding a command from God. Because here it says that they did not heed what Moses said. And some of them did not, and and then the bread went bad, and it melted, worms came upon it. Because, you know, God designed it to be uh, prepped in certain fashion. And they would typically, uh, they would round it, uh, they, they would ground it in like grain or something like that, make it into the form of like a light pancake. And on the sixth day... Uh, more was provided for them than normal because they were to make everything the day before, which would be the now instituted Sabbath. And we will see that the that that was also disregarded and what would come from that. But to bring it up in the fashion of why God did this was simple. Take that day to rest, but most of all, spend it with God. See, God knew the work involved. He could see from his throne. He made it that way in the developing. He made it that way in developing a work ethic in them. But most importantly, he knew that on the Sabbath they would be preoccupied with their activities instead of the time of worship with him and his presence with 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 uh, with each other and with the Lord. You know, they didn't have sports in that day, so there wasn't any Sunday football. But, you know, back in the day, people could have easily been preoccupied with something in regards to replacing it with time with God. Uh, I'll give an example from the Gospels of the New Testament. Uh, When Jesus was in the house with his followers, okay, Mary and Martha, the sisters, dinner was being made. Martha was running around like crazy while Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus in worship and fellowship. Martha, she gets angry and and comes out and tells Jesus, Lord, tell Mary to get up and help me. And Jesus responded to her, Martha, 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 right, three times. (laughs) And and we know that when someone's name is said that way, that there was an exhorting to come. 
Mary does well in what she's doing. You know, he knew that his time with them on earth was not long. But Martha was obviously a wonderful host in making sure things were done, but she was missing the picture. Why? Because many of us are set on doing and doing for the sake of the kingdom. But yet we end up missing the king when he shows up just to simply be with us. I find it amazing that God did the work. Why? Because you can't make food in a barren desert like like that in the area of Sinai. But you have to follow some simple instructions is all, right? You know, talking to Jews, uh, the Sabbath day is their favorite day. And and we can look at it uh, like a loving family who has a tradition of having dinner all together on a weekend where they would gather around the table and converse and laugh. Everybody would pitch in and bring something. And that is like a picture of what God wanted, but with a more intimate setting of worship and fellowship. Not being busy with everyday activity. But spending it with him and others in the assembly that God created. Now let's continue. Let's take a look at verse 26 as he continues here. 26 through 36 says, Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day of the Sabbath there shall be none. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. And the house of Israel called its name manna. And it was like white coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And then Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer with it to be kept for your generations that they may see the bread in which fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Moses said to Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer of the manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept uh, for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel ate manna for forty years until they came to an inhabited land. They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. And now an omer is one-tenth of an ephah. So how long do you refuse to keep my law, God asked. The people witnessed his miracles and provisions beyond anyone else. And yet they still disobeyed. It's, it's like we, we know what God said, but I'm going to go ahead and see how far we can push the issue. <laughs> kind of like children. You know, we tell them not to touch something and they look right at you with a devious look and touch it anyways. Right? Don't you love it when they do it? These were most likely adults of all ages. So God asked rightfully, how long will you disobey my commands? Because those would learn the hard way, just like the ones searching for manna on the seventh day coming, up empty-handed. But Moses gave a little inside of the manna. It, it was white like coriander seed. And, and you can actually look it up to see what it looks like. But, but like wafers made with honey. What, you know, it tells me that God made it good. You know, it's not bland like, uh, like eating, um, it's not bland at all, but it's kind of like eating like sweet bread. And they ate the manna until they came to the promised land, the border of Canaan. And that was what was provided for them daily for 40 years. The amount of time they took to get there, 40 years. 
Now, if I didn't mention it before, it was only supposed to be an 11-day journey, but it took 40, as, as we will see in due time. But God was faithful and true, provided daily for a couple million people traveling in the desert. And earlier, I was referring to Jesus and the multiplying of the bread. Uh, but I want to quote what Christ himself said in John chapter 6, verse 32 and 33. He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And like the people, like the people who were being fed from the manna from heaven, Christ was the manna from heaven that would fill forever. Just like the water provided for them to drink, Christ was the living water. If you ever, uh, if you remember the uh, story of the Jesus at the at the uh, at the well with the Samaritan woman by the well, he told her, "I can offer you living water that you will never thirst again." She didn't understand what it was, but she did after she found out who he was, because the Lord said often, He said it often, most assuredly, I say to you, and, and that is clear. That it was true. Everything he said was true. In fact, while Jesus was on the cross, there was a thief next to him about to die that day. And the thief said to Jesus himself, he said, Lord, will you remember me when you enter in your kingdom? Well, what was Jesus' response? <laughs> he said, assuredly, I say to you, you will be with me today in paradise. And this is the best part. The end of the message that gives anyone an opportunity to receive salvation. Everlasting life by receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. Is there any other way to, to, to heaven, people have asked. Well, the answer is no. He himself is the way by design of God. It's simple. Though all of you, all you, you, uh, all you have to do is pray. Asking him into your heart. There is no amount of good deeds. There's no amount of money we can give away to take the place of what he did on the cross. We witness that by the request of the thief on the cross. And, and, and then by the response of the Lord himself. Today you will be with me. Now by receiving the Lord in your heart, you have assured your salvation through him. And, and he will take you with gladness. He's been waiting for you and has a place set aside. He has a place for you when your time has when your time has come, and and on top of that, you'll be with the the greatest welcoming committee you'll ever see. Question is, is do you want that? Well, if you want that, if you if you've been led to receive, all you have to do is say a simple little prayer, a simple little prayer in the truth of your heart to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now you're probably asking, why didn't, why didn't we uh, hear about uh, him right now if you're hearing this for, uh, for the first time? You know, if you're hearing the, this uh, chapter of Exodus for the first time. Everything we are reading about has led to him through the stepping stones of the Old Testament. And though the name of Christ was not mentioned in the Old Testament, there were over 300 prophecies about him which he fulfilled. And we're going to see, we're going to see that as we go through the Bible. But more importantly, I want to make sure that you see him firsthand. And that is through receiving him as Lord and Savior. 
So if you feel led to, to receive Him as your Father, as your Lord and Savior, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of all of my sins. As I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. Father, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I thank you for dying on the cross, Lord Jesus. I thank you for washing me of my sins. And I ask, Lord, that you would receive me now, Lord. As I receive you as my Father and my Lord and my Savior. For I love you. And I thank you for all things you've done and continue to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, what a blessing and a joy it is. You know, I just again, just to teach the Word of God. It's, um, it's my favorite pastime. It's my favorite hobby. It's my favorite calling. <laughs> and I, I pray that you'll follow along because, you know, this life He gives us is, is quite an interesting journey as we look at the lives of the people through the Bible. But we're all going to have our own story. But we're also going to have an ending. We just want to make sure that ending ends up in heaven with Him. So I pray that you've received Him and that you will continue to walk with Him as we venture through His Word together. And together we work together to bring others to Him. God bless you.